eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And welcome in Lake Geek is live. It is Sunday night, August 29th, the year of our Lord, 2021. There are meaningful games already in the books, one of which we are going to talk about tonight. And I'll be honest with you, this time last week, I did not necessarily know one way or the other whether Nebraska and Illinois were going to have a spot in the show tonight, but they do because a lot of you were talking about this. Let me just plant this seed in your mind. What is Nebraska capable of? Maximum capacity. What are they capable of? Not under Scott Frost as a program. Just think on that. We have like 47 different areas we need to get to tonight. We are jam-packed. I can't stress this enough. The time for taking shows off is over. You cannot miss a show. Every one of them is going to be wall-to-wall. So if you got friends and family that you need to bring back to the table because they've enjoyed an off-season, which you chose not to do, go ahead and bring them back. I'll touch on that more in just a second. Tonight, we will debut the Late Kick Renaissance Tour, and we will also tell you where our week one destination will be. Hit on that momentarily. We've got rapid reaction, as I said, to Nebraska and Illinois. We've also got the Ramen Noodle Express back in action after a 60.9% against the spread clip last year. 53 and 34, I want to say, Colin. Not too bad. Colin and I were both able to eat handsomely ramen and then some because of that. Also, what I cannot wait for in week one. You know, we don't have a bunch of games to react to the way we will this time a week from now. But, man, we got a lot to look forward to. We finally made it. You can breathe. We finally made it. I would be remiss if I did not mention our friends down on the Gulf Coast. Seems about this time last year, we had to kick it up into high gear and put forth an effort that I'm assuming we'll have to do again. Please keep the people down in Louisiana in your thoughts and in your prayers Prayer is very important. We believe in it on this show, but action is also important. And so there are going to come days and weeks ahead where we got to take some action. So we will do it on our show. I would encourage everyone, find a way to help out after the storm moves on and the news crews move out of town. So as I said, if you've been away, and I know some of you have lives, you got kids, you got responsibilities, maybe you just took June and July and you went to the beach and you went overseas, whatever you did. Maybe you went to Maine. Some weirdos go to Maine to vacation, I'm told. I'm told. I have nothing against Maine. I, I do know people who went up there for the summer, though. But look, all that's done. It's time to get back down to business. So there are a lot of things that we talk about on this show that you may feel left behind on. Well, if you got friends that you want to bring to the table, if you want to find a new college football show, if the national types aren't serving your interest and you want a place that just talks about college football and none of the other garbage, I think this is where you need to wind up. And all the inside nomenclature, all the inside jokes, I'm going to explain it all tonight. What in the world is a Ramen Noodle Express? What's a Renaissance tour? 
all that stuff. I'm going to make sense of it because we have a huge new audience, even within our audience. So I'm going to make sense of a lot of things for you tonight. But this is your show. So come hang out with us every Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday night. Got a couple of podcasts every week for you, too. So make sure you're listening to us and watching us everywhere you can, because a lot of this show doesn't make sense until you're a part of the show. But the thing about it is, if you're watching the show, you're already a part of the show. I'm going to debut two things tonight that you guys invented. I'm going to show you some things that you guys created. We are very much a crowdsourced show. I appreciate it. I love it that way. Um, It drops some jaws here at 24-7 in CBS sometimes, what our audience is capable of. But I really appreciate that. So make sure you're following Twitter and Instagram at Late Kick Josh. There are some things coming up this week on those platforms that you'll only see on those platforms. The first of which is this. I've told you for a long time that I wanted to try a new concept. I think I first spoke about this on the podcast a little while ago. And I first started talking about the concept of a renaissance year. I've spoken about this for months. I feel we've got one upon us now for college football in 2021. And what I feel that, well, the reason I feel that mainly is because we've got crowds back. We've got a lot of the elements that we love back to the sport. I think on a purely competitive note, we've got a very good shot at some more competitive balance at the top. I think we have a shot for several more teams to be involved in the race down the stretch, the stretch being November towards the end of the year. So I think that, but also I think when you take something away from someone and they get it back, you just appreciate it a lot more. So I think there's going to be a lot about college football this year that is sort of a return to what you once loved, even as the sand is shifting underneath your feet. But I've said all that and realize, as one of you pointed out to me about three or four weeks ago, if you're going to be on the road every weekend, which we are, and you're calling this a renaissance year, why don't you just call the road trips you take the renaissance tour? Now, I love concerts. I love concert tours. I love reading stories about them. I'll go look on Wikipedia and see what Fleetwood Mac was doing in 1977 in my spare time. So I love looking at all the cities they go to. Well, we're doing that this year, at least 12 times, uh, including this week. We'll be on the road. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to frame it just like a tour, and we're going to call it the Late Kick Renaissance Tour. Every Sunday night, right here on this show, we will reveal the city we're headed to that Friday. Now, what happens from that point is really up to you guys. It could be nothing more than we go to games like we always do. Or we could just grow this into what becomes an event every weekend. Again, that's up to you. When we're coming to your town, you can really decide what you want to do with that. But how do we select all this? You know, how do we select the games we're going to? It's not exactly like college game day. We do want to see competitive matchups. We want to see the biggest matchups. We want to be in the presence of as many teams as possible. But more importantly, we don't want blowouts. We don't want to be at a game that you turn off by the second quarter. So we want to see the big matchups, but we want to go where there's competitive balance. We want to see as many teams as possible. I want to see as many of you as possible. And so this week, our selection came down to really a couple of games. There was Penn State at Wisconsin, gave strong consideration to that. But also, audience investment matters a lot here. And we just flat out heard from a couple of fan bases more frequently than the rest over the span of the last couple of months. So as Jesse's about to do now, in fact, we can go ahead and cue this up. We're going to show you every week around this time where we're going, and then I'll explain to you why we're going to that place. But I also want to tell you, as you're about to watch this animation, one of you put this together. I called for about a month ago a number of you who had skills in different areas to come forth, and you did. A lot of you came forth with information. Some of you came forth with graphic skills. Some of you came forth with animation skills. And one of you came forth and you said, hey, if you're going to a new city every week, I'll put you some animation together. 
And so, Jesse, do we have that? Let's take a look at that, actually, if we do have that. We have a delay, so I can't always see in our studio what they're rolling in, uh, in Connecticut. There we go. So we will be headed to Bank of America Stadium in week one, and we will be there right on the sideline, right there with a bunch of you for Georgia versus Clemson. A lot of you may look at that, and you may think, well, that's a no-brainer. In some ways, it is. This is clearly the biggest game of week one. Having said that, have you looked at the week two slate? Have you looked at the week three slate? I think week five and week six gets very muddy, and so this is where we will reveal that every week. Looking forward to that. I could see that going a number of different ways in the future, but big shout-out. Jim, you know who you are. Big shout-out on the animation and onward and upward with that. So what about this season? What about the conference predictions? What about playoff predictions? I cannot tell you how many times per day we look in the late kick inbox or I look in the iJosh or in the Twitter inbox and I see someone say, when are you putting out your predictions? Tonight, that's when we're putting the predictions out. Let's start with the conference predictions and then we're gonna elevate to playoff predictions. I go about this a different way. I have explained this for the last several years. If you're new to the program, I do not put a lot of investment into my long-range conference and playoff predictions. Last year, I think I picked Georgia to win the East, and then I flipped it after week one. And someone came to me and said, you can't change your pick once a week's gone by. Well, I can, because I don't put a lot of stock in them. Now, the week-to-week picks, I put a ton of stock in, as you can see later on in the show tonight. But these, no, I'll cheat on them. But having said that, you got to nail me down before the season starts. So here we go. Let's take a look at the SEC first. In fact, we can take a look at the whole thing if we want to, Jesse. In the SEC, kind of showed you the records the other day, but we're going Alabama versus Georgia in the SEC championship game. I have both of these teams going 11-1 and in the regular season. You see on the screen the odds to win the SEC championship. So Alabama is the current favorite in the clubhouse. And it makes sense to me. Uh, we've got them ranked as the number one overall team in the country. Georgia, I think we have at five. Vegas has them at plus 225. We've got Alabama versus Georgia in Atlanta. Uh, this was not some slam dunk for me on the western side. On the eastern side, it was. But it's not a slam dunk with me for Alabama. I may change my opinion on them after I see them in Miami or against Miami. But I've got a, I don't know, I've got a feel about Alabama, mainly because I've listened to Nick Saban talk the last couple of weeks. And he's been kind of brutally honest about his team and sharing with you and everyone else that, I don't know, I think some facets of this team are kind of a work in progress, offensive line, kind of a work in progress. So Alabama, Georgia, we would make this game with our own model, our own in-house model. If we played this one today, we'd have Alabama minus five. We don't see a massive gap between those two teams. The thing that's aggravating, if you're on the Georgia side of this equation, is this is the year. I mean, I was talking to a a personnel type uh, about a month ago who said, if you're getting Bama, this is the year to get them. I mean, they are very, very green at a number of places that they're so talented in. But if you're going to get them, get them this year. Those next couple of years, they're going to be as loaded as they've ever been. They've had the best recruiting classes they've ever had, including the last one that was the best in history. So get them now. And so you think about that, and Georgia's got quarterback figured out, or so you tell yourself all summer, and then you get into a game, and yet you look at them, and they're still a dog to Bama. Now, that doesn't mean everything because they've been underdogs to Bama before, but this is the time you got to beat them. And yet as we sit here right now, we've got Alabama beating Georgia in the SEC championship game. So there's that. We move on to the ACC championship game. This one probably a little more clear-cut. Clemson versus North Carolina Again, one side of this division pretty easy. I don't see a path where Clemson's not there. Uh, There is a path where North Carolina's not there. Now it probably has a lot to do with Miami. You could make arguments for other programs. 
But if this game were to happen, if Clemson, North Carolina happened today, we make Clemson a 13 and a half point favorite. Uh, this is not Vegas. This is us. This is our model talking. In other words, this is how we think the game would actually turn out, or at least the model does. If North Carolina has two losses, which our model predicts them to have, we think they're 10 and two going into this game. I've got to believe that means that one of those 10 wins was against Miami. Because if that game goes the other way and North Carolina's got a couple of losses, which I would assume are going to be conference losses, then it could very well be Miami parked in this spot. But you're looking at the odds there if you're watching on YouTube to win the conference. It's Clemson you know, by a country mile and then everyone else. I think you're overthinking the room here if you try and find a path for anyone other than Clemson. Not that it's impossible, but how is there any skill sitting here in August for forecasting that. I don't think there is. So we're taking Clemson over North Carolina to win the ACC. In the Big Ten, kind of a a duplicate of the first two. There is a pretty clear path, as it appears, for Ohio State. So we got the Buckeyes in Indianapolis. And then we've got Wisconsin. These are the two preseason favorites in those respective divisions. These are the two, well, the top two at least, favorites to win the conference. Again, there's a wide gap between favorite number one and then runner-up there. Ohio State minus 225 to win the conference. Wisconsin checking in a distant second at plus 750. Notice Penn State there floating around the third spot. They play Wisconsin in week one. For the record, the JP poll has Wisconsin and Penn State ranked eighth and ninth. So we like both of them higher than the AP does. I believe Tier 2 of the Big Ten is very strong this year. The question becomes, how close does the top of the second tier come to rubbing up against the first tier? Because Tier 1 is a tier of one, and that is Ohio State. Now, that could all change if they were to drop a game against Minnesota and they look vulnerable, but they're favored by about two touchdowns for a reason in that one. We'll talk about the game more this week. We have got Ohio State versus Wisconsin. If the game happened today... We would have Ohio State as a 14-point favorite. Two-touchdown gap there. We're not going to go out on any thin ice, any thin limb. We're going to take Ohio State over Wisconsin to win the Big Ten. In the Big 12, this is where we're sort of hitting the manual override button a little bit. I kind of showed you this the other night. We've got Iowa State at 11-1 facing an 11-1 Oklahoma team in the Big 12 title game. It's important to note the model thinks both teams have a loss by the time they get to the Big 12 title game. There are no divisions here, so you're just taking the top two teams. As far as conference odds go, if you're looking on YouTube right now, Oklahoma's minus 170 to win the conference. That is not overwhelming. But yet, if you suggest anyone other than Oklahoma's going to win this conference, you get a ton of national blowback. And I think there's a perception reality thing here. Because Iowa State's plus 280 to win this thing. Texas is next at plus 1,000, which even as I look at it, seems a little weird, but they're plus 1,000. The point is, this is not viewed as some unclosable, insurmountable gap uh, by odds makers. So here's what we have. This is the only game I manually overrode. If these two teams played today in neutral field, we'd have Oklahoma minus 8.5 to about minus 9. And yet, it's an angle I'm playing. Now, I think I've got the angle pretty hardwired, so I'm not changing on that. We are taking Iowa State over Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship game. That's not something I'm shifting on. Where I could shift is I'm looking at the schedule right now, and I could easily see Iowa State being 11-1 and and Oklahoma being 12-0 and when they go into that game. Now, think about that for a second. If the same outcome we just predicted plays itself out, That probably means that, well, obviously Oklahoma's beaten Iowa State regular season. Iowa State gets them back in the Big 12 title game. Here's the question I'd love to pose. We don't know what the rest of the country would look like. 
Is it possible for the Big 12 to have two teams in the playoff if that particular scenario played out? OU's only loss is very close, competitive against a top-five team themselves that they already beat once, and that's their only blemish, a conference title game? You got the Notre Dames of the world floating around out there that don't even play in a conference title game, and you're going to get dinged and bumped out of the playoffs because you were in one? Just interesting. Just interesting fodder here in August. And lastly, over on the West Coast, we've got the Pac-12 championship game, Oregon versus Utah. Both of these teams are two lost teams according to the model. So we've got Oregon 10-2, and we've got Utah 10-2. and We would make this game Oregon minus 3.5 if they played it right now. This conference, ironically, is viewed as the least likely to have a playoff participant, but it's the one that fascinates me the most because I think the Pac-12 South especially is going to be very competitive, kind of a knife fight. I just don't know if they're going to be those plastic McDonald's knives or if they're knives that can do some real damage. If they are... And if there is a clear-cut favorite out of the Pac-12 South, then you got to ask yourself, is there one or maybe two teams capable of getting to this game with fewer than two losses? Could we get a one-loss Utah there? Or UCLA, they looked pretty good yesterday. USC, Arizona State, no one knows what to make of them right now. You know, as far as the North goes, I just think Oregon's the better team, and that's why I picked Oregon out of the North. But the model has them with a couple of losses. If either of these is a one-loss team and they end up being a 12-1 Pac-12 champion, then you have to ask yourself, well, is a one-loss Pac-12 champ capable of making the playoff? The answer, of course, is most always it depends on what the rest of the field looks like. But we got Bama over Georgia. We got Clemson over North Carolina, Ohio State over Wisconsin, Iowa State over Oklahoma, and Oregon over Utah. Take a look if you're watching right now. What stands out the most, aside from Iowa State? That one's going to get a lot of pushback, uh, but I'm pretty adamant about that. Again, it's just an angle I think I have on it. I'll explain it as the season goes on. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. It has happened before. Uh, Also, I could just switch that week two. I mean, Iowa State could lose to Northern Iowa, for all I know, and I could switch it week two. I reserve the right to. You also reserve the right to throw these predictions in the trash if you don't value someone who does that, because I would totally understand it. So now we move on. Because now we get to the bigger stage that I do not view as the bigger stage, but a lot of you do because you probably ask me about playoffs three to one to the conference title race. And so with that in mind, we put the playoff predictions second. So this year's college football playoff predictions, keeping in mind that we have Clemson coming out of the ACC. We got Ohio State coming out of the Big Ten. We got Iowa State coming out of the Big 12. Got Bama out of the SEC. And we have Oregon out of the Pac-12. I have not spoken about Notre Dame. I do not expect them to be in this top four, top five range. I do not expect Cincinnati to be in this top four, top five range. Now, having said that, that means I think they're going to have losses, or at least one. I cannot state in clear enough terms, if Cincinnati is undefeated this year, regardless of what my opinion has been, and it's been a very strong one in the past, about the inclusion of G5 teams in the playoff, they're going to be in the playoff, in my not-so-humble opinion. So I think that. But I don't think it's going to get tested, although in an alternate universe, I wish we could see it. I don't think we're going to test that theory because I think they are going to have at least one loss. Listen, they could have conference losses. It's, it's a hard conference to win. That American Athletic Conference is a hard conference to win. Some would indicate to you tougher than one or two Power Five conferences. I'll leave that up to you guys. Let's take a look at our playoff field, I guess we call it, though. The Clemson Tigers... I'm putting in as the number one overall seed. It is the only team that the model is choosing to go undefeated. 
which kind of tips the model's cap as to what it thinks is going to happen in week one, Clemson versus Georgia. Now, when we pick that game on Tuesday, I reserve the right to do the manual override, just as I did with Iowa State and, and Oklahoma. But the model does like Clemson in that game. So it's the easiest path to 12-0. and You're probably 70% of the way to being undefeated, given their conference schedule. Once they get through that game, if they do end up beating Georgia, their toughest games, to give you an idea, as you look at Arkansas's schedule and they play half the AFC South, Clemson's toughest remaining games, it looks like right now, are at NC State and at Pitt. So there you go. If you can get through that, and they will be huge favorites, they could be three-plus touchdown favorites against the rest of their schedule. That's not their fault. It is very much the fault of the rest of the conference. Hopefully, part of that conference comes a little ways in rectifying that problem this year. But Clemson is my number one seed. I've got Ohio State as the number two seed. It feels like the best shot they have to lose is before November. Our models got them going 11-1 and before the conference title game. Now, a lot of you asked me the other day, where's the loss? Where's the loss? And I had to explain. It's a very boring response. I don't do the whole put your 12-game schedule on a board and go win-loss, win-loss, win-loss. We have a percentage chance per 1,000 game simulations of how likely you are to win the game, and then we just aggregate it. Well, the model does. We're too lazy to. So it just finds a total of one Ohio State loss. It doesn't pick the game. Again, boring, I know. That's why we don't really do a whole lot of prediction segments on the show. But if the Buckeyes do lose, and it's not to Michigan, stop laughing, stop doing that. If it's not to Michigan, it's probably been earlier in the season. Maybe it's Penn State, you know, maybe it's one of these early season games, they just don't have their wheels under them yet. But whatever it is, they've had plenty of time to rectify it. And when this team, when this Ohio State team eventually hits its stride, whenever that is this year, they're going to be tough to deal with. It may be week one, or it may be week four, week five, but it's going to be at some point. These teams with this much talent, they don't ever go an entire season without eventually finding that gear. You just got to get them early enough to where it doesn't matter when they find the gear. And when they find that gear, I think they're going to be right there with that one or two seed. And so we've got Clemson, Ohio State. Bama, I've got in the third spot. The model has Bama going 12-1. and one. This one is not so difficult for me to foresee. I think there's a loss somewhere on Bama's regular season schedule. Like I said in the conference predictions, it could be that I watch Alabama in week one against Miami, which is a very, very good test. It's plenty good enough athletic test for us to gauge Alabama. It could be that we watch them and we say, Nick Saban has done it again. I do not believe this. A new OC, all these new pieces, and look at them just going up and down the field. If that's the case, then my feel is wrong, probably. And if that's the case, you can go ahead and pencil them in as the number one seed here. I don't think that's the case. I think they're a very good team. I'm starting them off as my top-ranked team, which tells you what I think about them. But I also think that college football is relative to who you play. Of course, I'd have Bama the number one seed if they play Clemson's schedule. They don't. There are some tests here. Like, I know a lot of you have to see Texas A&M move the ball up and down the field to believe they can beat Alabama. They can beat Alabama. Florida, with some turnover help and the factor of home field in their corner, could have a puncher's chance of beating Alabama. The point is, with Bama, you never believe it can happen until it happens. I've picked them to lose two games since 2010. One of them was the Manziel game. One of them was the 2019 Iron Bowl. I was 2-0 on them. So I'm not picking them to lose any game right now, but I'm saying that's how few and far between my picks of Alabama loss are. I'm telling you, 
I'm not seeing one specific one. I'm telling you the total, the sum total of this schedule this year could take a toll. I think there's a loss somewhere. But just like Ohio State, those young receivers, that offensive line, Bryce Young himself, eventually this is all going to gel. And I think the defense is going to be there from week one. And when they do, they'll be as tough and out as anyone in the country. So we got Bama winning the SEC, and we got him in that number three spot here. Iowa State, I have making the playoff at number four, which if it happened, I think a lot of folks would enjoy, not just Texas fans, because it would mean Oklahoma doesn't make the playoff. I'm not talking about that crowd. I'm talking about the crowd that thinks there is this ceiling or maybe even sort of an electric fence around a few programs and no one else is allowed in the playoff. And you've been told the system keeps everyone else out. Now, I love Iowa State. I have heavy, heavy bias. I will not pretend otherwise. So I hope this happens selfishly, but I hope a lot of stuff happens selfishly that I don't pick on this show, I can assure you. So I'm behind this. For better or for worse, I'm behind this pick. And as you know, these shows live forever. So if they lose to Northern Iowa in week one, you know, if they look a little suspect in week two against Iowa and they drop like the 40th game in a row against the Hawkeyes, then yeah, you can, you can rag me. That's fine. But I'm going to sit behind this pick. But my question is not about the winner of the Big 12 going to the playoff, because I believe they'll be there. My question becomes, if this is an undefeated Oklahoma team, and somehow their only loss is to Iowa State, however that ends up happening, then what does the committee do? Because you only got four spots. What does the committee do there? That remains to be seen. Um, I would be fascinated if that were to play out that way, because I think that Iowa State's going to peak at the right time. My whole feel behind this is regardless of what happens in that first go-around, I think they're going to peak at the right time. I also think there's a lot to be said for the intangible factors that are probably going to have, or that team will have on their side this year, the chemistry aspect. You know, the stuff people talk a lot about in lieu of actual football. I think it actually matters with them this year. And they got good players. they got very good players. I think they'll have enough to win the Big 12. So with that in mind, you see Clemson-Iowa State, you see Ohio State and Alabama, or Clemson-Iowa State, yes, I haven't said it a whole lot, so it seems weird when it comes out of my mouth. I'm taking Clemson to win the national championship. And the reason is because I'm looking up and down and knowing the formula for Dabo Swinney, and I'm saying, well, he's got every box checked. Uh, Finally, he's got a few people doubting him. You know my thoughts on that, but there are a few people out there doubting him. Uh, They've got a phenomenal quarterback. I don't really care so much about the experience. Nebraska's got a quarterback that's been there since I was in eighth grade. Did you see how much experience mattered at quarterback yesterday for Nebraska? They went backwards as much as they went forward. You got to have talent. You got to have, in this case, you got to have star level talent, and then the experience will come. But man, when you got guys like DJ Uyangalale, there's something about that level of talent that can supplement a lot of that experience. Plus, when you get to this point, you got a year's worth of experience anyway. Oh, and by the way, you're facing Bryce Young in the playoff. You're facing C.J. Stroud in the playoff. How many games have they started? So all that's irrelevant. If anything, he's got a little edge up on him. The wide receiver room is going to be a huge difference for them this year. Will Shipley, among others, in the backfield as the season goes on is going to be a huge difference. They can afford to use their entire schedule as scrimmages, which they've been known to do in the past. I don't criticize them for it. It's the exact same thing I would do if I were Clemson. But that team will time this up because they've done it before, and they'll get to December, and they will look like they've been shot out of a cannon, learning from their past mistakes and shortfalls, having the defensive line with seasoning about it now, probably the best in the country this year. I got Clemson winning the national championship. I hinted at it two weeks ago. No one ever talked me off of it. So give me the Clemson Tigers. There you see our full playoff field. If you're listening on the pod, we got Clemson one. 
Ohio State 2, Alabama 3, Iowa State 4, hashtag Go Clones, but in the end, it is Go Tigers. Clemson wins the national championship. I just wanted to leave a little, I wanted to leave a little silence there. I wanted to let it sizzle. You know, Clemson folks think I don't like them. There's all the proof in the world. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, well, it's time to talk about something that was kind of sad yesterday. And even if you're an Illinois fan and you are jubilant, as you should be, over winning that game yesterday, you got to look and you got to say, poor Nebraska. So here we go, Colin. Here's your end point. Three, two, one. Illinois beat Nebraska yesterday. Now, that's the way I saw it. A lot of you saw it as Nebraska just tossed a game away. Nebraska lost a game. It is true to a certain extent that more games are lost than won in week one of college football. Many different ways you can look at this. All that matters is what the scoreboard says, and it said, I believe, 30-22. to 22. So the fighting Illini under Brett Bielema's tutelage for all of 20 minutes, they come away with the dub. Because I'm not going to talk a lot of Illinois here, I want to give proper congratulations because it was very eye-opening to see how prepared they looked in relation to the team under the multiple-year regime over across the field uh, in red. So don't freak out after week one is what we normally say on this show, but I think it's okay to freak out. I really do, because this is not a new staff. It's not a young team at Nebraska. There are a lot of fixtures, and for better or for worse, this is the result that your fixtures gave you yesterday, and it's pretty clear at this point There's no need to sugarcoat this. It's not going to end well with Scott Frost. I was over on the Huskers 24-7 board last night. you got to be delicate. I know. I know what the perception is. When one of these national types comes in and you only seem to hear from them after you lose, to a certain extent, guilty. So you got to be very respectful and delicate. But I asked them, I'm going to talk about the game tomorrow night, and I want to know what the general mood here is, because I know what the national mood is. I'm about to talk about that in a second. Some of it fires me up a little bit, and I'm not even from Nebraska. And I got essentially what I thought we'd get from them. This is one of their own. Scott Frost is one of their own. Every benefit of the doubt in the world, I mean, they thought they had hit a grand slam for the record. The rest of us did too. When they hired him, I did not hear from many people that bemoaned the hiring of Scott Frost, certainly not from Lincoln, Nebraska and beyond. And so you may have people coming out of the woodwork now saying, I knew it wasn't going to work out. Well, you didn't know when they hired him three or four years ago, or at least I didn't hear you. You must have been on vacation that week. But I think we can all see that. We see Scott Frost, 2018, 19, 20, now 21, has started off on a bad foot. He is 12 and 21. That number's plastered on every billboard up there right now. Everyone knows that number. What was embarrassing for me to watch yesterday, 
And what was certainly unacceptable for Nebraska fans to watch is it's one thing to lose games against Ohio State. No one up there expects them to be going toe-to-toe athlete for athlete with Ohio State. There is a misconception that Nebraska folks think they should be rolling the exact way they did in the 90s, and it's not the case. There may be one out of every 1,000 of them that actually talks that way, and of course that voice gets amplified by the clicks and aggregation crowd out there in our own industry. And so I'll move off that so uh, HR doesn't get on to me, but the 1,113-day start that Scott Frost had on Brett Bielema and for a team to look that unprepared relative to Illinois was what was embarrassing and unacceptable. So here's what I want to address, because there's a lot that's obvious with Nebraska, and then there is, I think, a big misconception with them. I've heard so many people over the last 24 hours say, well, you know, you just can't win at Nebraska anymore. And I think it's complete garbage. I think that entire, that entire take is like a wet bag of trash. If you'll ever talk people through to a logical conclusion who say that, you'll find them on their heels immediately. Because what they'll say is, well, you know, that they can't get the talent there. Or, you know, they, can't, they just can't recruit like they used to. Oh, that's true. That ain't why they lost yesterday. People talk all the time. I, I cannot tell you how many people I had on my phone yesterday. It's normally, mm, I'll just say it. Normally, the kind of person who wants to seem like the intellectual superior in the room, they're the first ones to run to Twitter or message board or anywhere, including your face or my eye, Josh, and say, Nebraska just can't win anymore, man. They can't win. And I'll ask them why, because I think that's total garbage. I'll ask them why, and they'll say, well, they just can't get talent anymore. And I'll say, is talent? What, through the penalty? I got penalty flags all over the place. I've got procedural issues all over the place. I got all sorts of game day issues that do not relate to talent all over the place that's costing them. That's not a talent issue. The problem's not externally. The problem's not the dynamics change. The problem Nebraska has is, is within their own four walls, their athletic department. To be honest with you, it hurts to say because that means it's Scott Frost's fault. That's what you have to admit, and it's one of your own, and that's not fun to admit. But they've arrived at that conclusion already there. But then I continue with this crowd that tells you, oh, Nebraska can't win anymore. Well, push them through. If you believe that, let me push you to a logical conclusion. What do you mean by win? And if I challenge someone on that, most of the time I get, well, they can't win like they did in the 90s. None of them think they're going to. None of them think they're going to. No one is trying to channel Tom Osborne, and if they see anything less than that, they get aggravated on Saturday. That's not where their head's at. If you believe that, it means you don't know a thing about Nebraska. That's not what they want. What they want is to be competitive and have a respectable program, which is more than within the realm of possibility at Nebraska even today. And then someone will say, well, they still can't get talent up there. They can't get what kind of talent? Uh, They're not looking to go toe-to-toe with Alabama. They're not looking to compare to Ohio State. At least they don't think they have business doing it. Now, if someone came in there and worked a miracle, that'd be great. But what kind of talent are we talking about here? What kind of talent does Iowa have? What kind of talent does Iowa State have? What kind of talent does Wisconsin have? You're telling me that there are dynamics in play and resources available there that aren't available in plentiful supply? In Lincoln, Nebraska? Really? And so I keep pushing because I still haven't gotten anything logical. We're looking for that conclusion. And then someone will say, well, they're, just, they're not close to those programs. You're right. You are right. You got the what. You don't have the why. You're right. Nebraska, there's a big gap between them and Iowa right now. There's a big gap between them and Iowa State. Big gap between them and Wisconsin. The problem 
is the why. And you think the problem's out there. You think the problem is college football changed and it left Nebraska behind. There is no change that's left Nebraska behind that brought along with it the Iowa and Iowa states of the world and Wisconsin's of the world. The problem's inside. It's in the mirror. That's hard to say because that means the guy that everyone looked at as the last hope is not the hope. There's a lot that's been written today in Nebraska, a lot of very powerful stuff as it relates to football that's been written today on this very topic. And the question up there is essentially, if not Scott Frost, then who? Well, my answer is the next guy. That's who it is. I know that it had a storybook element to it. I know it was supposed to look like that's going to be the guy one of our own comes back home. That's the way it would work if Nebraska Cornhuskers football is a Netflix series. But it's not. It's real life. Sometimes it's muddy, and sometimes it's really unorganized, and sometimes when you least suspect it, you ended up hiring the right guy. I'm not defending Scott Frost here. A lot of this is indefensible. I'm just defending Nebraska because I don't think that whole you can't win anymore at Nebraska, I don't think it's valid because I don't think a lot of the reasons they've been losing have anything to do with the talent resource that you think has been cut off to Nebraska. There was a key sentiment yesterday that Scott Frost uh, expressed in his postgame media availability. And I I know Nebraska fans heard it. Most of you probably didn't watch it, but it was sort of telling. Because he said, I'm paraphrasing, but he said, I don't know what more we could have done. Scott Frost loses to Illinois 30-22, to and he goes to the podium after having a 1,113-day head start on Brett Bielema and getting beaten and outcoached, and he says, I don't know what more we could have done. I believe him. I believe he's being dead honest, and I believe that's accurate. I don't think he knows of anything more he could have done. But just because Scott Frost doesn't know of anything more he could have done, doesn't mean there isn't anything more that could be done at Nebraska. It just means it's going to have to be done probably after he's gone. I don't ever do that stuff on this show. I don't do the whole hot seat stuff. I never call for people's jobs. And I, this is not my program. So this is just a reflection or I guess an observation. Uh, They'll handle things the way they want to handle it. But the whole if not Scott Frost, then who conversation, it's the next guy. That's who it is. It's the next guy. You just got to keep trying. The alternative is to quit or at least accept, you know, forever to be doomed to what you saw yesterday, which is not acceptable. They're not looking to be Alabama. That would be unrealistic. But if they're looking to be Wisconsin, if they're looking to be Iowa, that is completely acceptable and well within the realm of possibility for Nebraska. Okay, now let's move on. Now let's tone it down. That was a sad topic, but we want to turn the frown upside down. We want to talk happy times here. This time last year, we introduced the Ramen Noodle Express on Late Kick Live. I need to remind you, because many of you are new, our audience has grown like 75 or 80% since this time last year. Our podcast has grown 55% in the last 120 days. So they tell me that's pretty good. Point being, a lot of this stuff makes no sense to you. A lot of this stuff sounds like Mandarin Chinese. What is the Ramen Noodle Express? Well, here's the what. We own a model. We being me and an undisclosed person. Own a model. We, it's proprietary in nature. We run it. We have for a long time. You need to have friends in your lives who are data scientists. It always pays off. You will never regret knowing data scientists. And so we hone this thing for several years. It performs very well for us now. It is not for sale. Nothing like that. I mean, uh, it's not unless the right mega conglomerate from the West Coast calls. But right now, not for sale. 
But every week on this show, we will hand out between five and eight picks. Last year, these went 53 and 34. We hit at about a 61% clip against the number. Any of you who know anything about betting know what that means. Let me also give you a fair warning. If most people come up to you and say they're hitting at 60 or 61%, they're lying to you. So I would not even believe the words coming out of my mouth right now if I were you without observing this and validating it. But every one of these picks is public from last year if you have an entire week free and you want to go document it yourself. Why do we call it the Ramen Noodle Express, though? When I was doing radio in Columbus, Georgia back in the day, we took a call from a guy one day. It was a Monday afternoon, and he was desperate. He was not in a good place. And he said that he really needed a pick against the spread. And he was out of breath, even though he was on a car phone. And he was talking in borderline hysterics. And so you got to calm him down and you got to say, buddy, what's up? Are you talking to us from Utah? Is the air thinner where you are? And he said, no, I just really need to win this one tonight. How bad do you need to win this one tonight? Well, if I don't win this one tonight, my kids are eating ramen noodles this week, is what the guy said. Now, we did the responsible thing and handed him Chiefs plus six and a half. It cashed. I don't know how the story turns out. Um, We did not handle that the way we should have. That's the bad part. The good part is I did kind of file that away in my memory. Ramen noodle. Ramen noodle. And so I love trains. I remember that segment. I love branding everything, and so we made the segment. We made the picks, the Ramen Noodle Express, built entirely to keep you off a diet of ramen noodle. We release five to eight of them every week. It could be at any time. The only thing I can promise you is that every Sunday night on this show, we will release at least one of them. We always have at least one early best bet. I'm about to show you one in just a second for tonight. It's the first one we've given out this year, but after that, anything's in play. I put some of them out on Twitter and Instagram, at Josh. Some of them will get released on one of the Tuesday or Thursday podcasts, which are podcast only. They don't get released on the channel. The point is, it is pivotal that you are following on all platforms. I've been telling you this for two months. Uh, This is one of the reasons you got to be following on all those platforms. Remember a few things, and then I'm about to hand out the pick. Every bet is equal. If I specify otherwise, then you'll know. 99% of the time, every pick we're handing out is equal. If you do what I tell you, you will make money on this. I can't promise you that, but it's a virtual certainty. Bet them all equal. Bet all of them or do not bet any of them. That is also critical. We are building this model to remove our own gut from the equation. So you certainly need to remove your gut from the equation. Only on this show, the pod and social media, will this be released. So if you watch the individual videos on YouTube, like the one right now we're doing, Colin's not going to clip this for individual release. So you got to be listening to the entire pod or watching the entire show and following Twitter, Instagram, uh, because it's more time sensitive. Also, and this cannot be stressed enough, everyone watching this show is an adult. We do it at night for a reason. Everyone who can open a betting account is an adult. It's made that way for a reason. There will be zero tolerance for any kind of trash talking after the fact. None. You will get muted. You will get banned. I will block you point blank. That is what children do. Uh, No one's forcing you to do anything with your money you don't want to do. In fact, I openly tell you I don't advise you to bet. Just get in a pick'em league. But if you're going to, be responsible and understand this is your choice. Okay. I think I've gotten all the 47 bullet points out of the way. So with that in mind, let's take a look at where we're going week one. How about that? Jesse Jesse was really, really up against it today. 
He had to make all these graphics, and he couldn't even get in our own system. And so look at this. We got the old Ramen Noodle Express graphic. Every other graphic on the show has been updated, but we kept the old Ramen Noodle Express graphic. Where are we going? We're going with Cincinnati minus 23. Get on it now. We hand out, we hand out our early pick for a reason. They're playing Miami, Ohio. We love them to stretch this past four touchdowns. So we're taking Cincinnati minus 23. That's the only one I have for you for tonight. Remember, we're probably going to have at least four more this week. And then make sure you're tuning in and following all over the place. Because what I don't like is when we've had a great week, and then I hear from somebody and they say, oh, man, I only caught like a couple of them. I didn't even see where you released the other ones. I've told you where they are. I have told you. So it's, I just want the credit with none of the blame. That's all I've ever wanted. I just want the credit with none of the blame. So remember, I know this was kind of a kind of a fragmented show tonight. It's not like our normal shows will be, but we had a lot to introduce and we've got a lot still to introduce. There are still things coming within the next couple of weeks that we can't even talk about yet. But remember, at Late Kick Josh. Now, the reason I'm emphasizing that so much tonight is because there's something else that we're going to do probably on Friday night that I haven't even talked about yet. I'll tell you right now, actually. So when I'm traveling on Fridays, And I want your feedback on this because I'm not going to waste time if you don't want us to do it. When I'm traveling on Fridays, get in a hotel. Normally Friday night, I'm in some random city. You know me. I don't go out. And so uh, there I am in a hotel room. And I've got the iJosh here. And we've got these social accounts that we've grown. I do not talk deep gambling on this show uh, because it does not hit enough of our audience. A lot of our audience doesn't bet at all. They're fascinated with point spreads, but they don't bet at all. Some of you would really love to dive into Temple versus Rutgers' first half lines. This is not the platform for it. But on Friday night, it could be. I got a great show title idea. I'll probably save it for later. What I can do is I can fire up Instagram Live wherever I am, and we can just talk for as long as you want to. And I can tell you what our model says about some numbers on Friday night. Very informal. I can guarantee the lighting's not going to be as good as it is here. May not be lighting at all. So it could be a little sketch, could be a little back alley feel to it. But if you want to do that, you got to let me know. Got to get some feedback and you got to be following, of course, at Late Kick Josh. Uh, But if you want to do that, we can do that because I got nothing else to do on Friday night. So I can assure you. A couple of more housekeeping notes. As is always the case, the week one schedule gets thrown in a blender. The Thursday show, because Ohio State plays that night, among others, We are planning to start that at 6 Eastern, 5 Central. Someone asked earlier today, what are you going to do? Your show overlaps with the games Thursday night. I told him we're going to move the show because it's the internet and we can do whatever we want to. So we're going to start the Thursday show, 6 Eastern, 5 Central. The Sunday show, we're probably also going to start at 6 Eastern, 5 Central. So that's just, what, is it two hours early, one hour early? Um, We got to get them out of the way because we got a Sunday night game. So after this week, everything will be back to normal. But Thursday night, Sunday night, we're going to start the shows a little bit early. So I think I got everything I wanted to hit out of the way. Also, I want to send that in the live chat. If you're not following, just make sure you're following. It's going to be a very important week to be following on social media. You never know what kind of announcement's coming. Very important. We can't give you everything on the show, because some stuff is time sensitive. At Late Kick Josh. Thank you so much. We are excited to be ready to dive into a season from this point forward. Don't miss the shows. Make sure you got your schedule timed out, whether it's your morning commute, if you live in Fresno, California, or if you're driving home in Ocala, Florida, just make sure you're catching the shows. And lastly, 
you're doing a great job of this. I just encourage you to continue. Share it all over the place and tag me when you do. That helps us more than you could ever know. Simple marketing, it helps us more than you can ever know. Thank you for being part of the show and thank you for being here. We're ready to go. Until next time, for Director Colin, for our entire crew down in Fort Lauderdale and tonight up in Connecticut that made miracles happen. Jesse made miracles happen tonight. I'm Josh Pate. Thanks for watching. Have yourselves a great start to the week and God bless. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.